Okay, well, welcome. We're glad that you're here today. Um, my name is Brent Heisman, and I pastor um, in Newcomerstown, Ohio, which is a small village um, south of New Philadelphia, which is south of Canton, right off of Highway um, 77. Um, so we're kind of in the southeast area of the state. Um, we also, several years ago, began coming alongside other churches in our areas to revitalize them. So uh, we have worked with a church in Bridgeport, which is on the West Virginia line, um, on past St. Clairsville that way on 70. And then currently we're still working with a, a church in Coshocton, which is a little bit closer to Columbus on 36. Um, so also serve as a, the Southeast Area Presbyter and um, recently have joined the Church Life consultation team we're doing in East Ohio version of the Church Life um, courses and ICCs, individual church consultants. We're doing that on the east side of the state. So we do do a lot of those things and we're glad to be here. The name of the class is uh, Discipleship Skills um, and uh, we'll be trying to give you some help to be able not only to look at what I've presented but give you ways to discover what skills um, and milestones your folks need to be able to reach. So, um, let me make sure I cover everything that we need to do. Um, one of the values of Synergy is that not only uh, do you come to the classes and uh, hopefully it's a, a good interactive time and you take, take some good things home with you, we also want you to build relationships with people so that um, you can collaborate together long after the afternoon is done. Um, so, um, be... Uh, open to sharing um, your, your email or your phone number with folks that you may be sitting next to and um, see, see if we can't build the Ohio Church together. Um, I think that's covering all the, the introductions. Uh, the, the thing I would like to begin with is just, I know that sometimes you come to a class with some preconceived ideas of, of, and hopes that, hey, we're going to get to cover this. So I want to take a couple minutes um, to give you an opportunity to direct me so that when you leave, um, maybe some of the topics you were hoping to cover, I at least can take a stab at. So are there any, is there anybody that would say, hey, when I signed up for the class, other than I didn't know what else to take, um, I really was hoping to hear or get information about, does anybody have any of those um, suggestions or, or kind of ways to steer us today? What I'm interested in, if you like look at this diagram right here, I'm really interested in developing myself for being effective at mentoring and discipling and coming from people okay. leadership. Okay, somebody else? Anything, anything else that you had that you wanted to make sure we covered? All right, anybody need coffee? Have you had enough coffee? All right. Okay, well, let me, let me get started. Um, the, the first of all, I wanted to give you a little bit of a background. Um, I really think that reading through the Gospels with a an eye towards what did the disciples do and what did Jesus do is really a critical foundation. 
Um, I think I think in self-discovery for you um, in this process of trying to determine I've got a, a young person in the church or I've got a person that I'm trying to disciple, bring them to the next level. Um, what what should they be doing? I think Scripture should be the model. I think the uh, New Testament is a great way, especially through the book of Mark. Mark is, is short. It's full of action. And I have spent some time going chapter by chapter through um, the book of Mark and writing down everything Jesus did and everything the disciples did and trying to find, okay, is that something we should do? And if it is, what would it look like for us? And so that's given me a huge, um, probably way more than we'll be able to cover today, um, idea of what it would look like to be a disciple of Jesus. Um, and so when you're looking through the book of Mark, you know, one of the first things that you see, this is an example, one of the first things you see is, is Jesus' first visit to church was an extraordinary one. Um, I'm not sure if it was while he was teaching, but all of a sudden, somebody, and we don't know if the guy had been in church for a long time, been in the synagogue for a long time, but all of a sudden, he began to manifest um, demonic behavior. Um, and right there, um, on Saturday morning church, for, for the synagogue, you have this tremendous disruption. And I'm thinking, you know, that would probably be a good thing to learn to do, is how do you handle tremendous disruptions um, in a public setting. What, what, what does that look like? What does that look like? So I think if, as you walk through each one of those things that Jesus did, you know, what do you do when somebody cuts a hole in your neighbor's roof? For, for, for healing, you know. Um, how do you handle that? It, it's interesting what Jesus didn't say. Jesus didn't correct them. Jesus says, wow, that's like huge faith, dude. You know, you're, all, you're awesome. And I'm thinking, that's not what I would say. He ruined his roof. <laughs> he knew their motive. That's right. That's right. So, uh, you know, I, I think in a, in a basic discovery mode, if you're going to be an effective disciple maker, if we're going to find um, discipleship milestones and what are the skills to reach them so that we can be effective in carrying out the mission of Christ, I think you've got to kind of put your investigative hat on Look at the scripture first. Then I think, secondly, you need to look at the context in which you're teaching, uh, ministering in, and begin to connect those dots and say, what, what do people need to be able to do? What do I want them to do? Um, if I ask them to do it, can they do it? And if they can't do it, then there might be some information they need. There might be some teaching they need. They may, they may have never seen what you're asking them to do. I want, I want everybody to, to just gather around and pray for this person. Well, they may not have ever seen that model. They may not know what that looks like. So find out what the need is and begin to structure um, pathways for people to be able to minister to others. Um, what happens if you do that and they still can't do it? I ain't doing that. Well, there's an obstacle in the way. And part of, part of discipling people is identifying the obstacles that are in their way um, and, then, and then, you know, 
figuring out, okay, how do we move this obstacle? Somebody may be just fearful, which is probably something that needs to be dealt with for a lot of areas of their lives. But identifying those things will, will help you begin to build a pathway. So that's a little bit of foundation of where I started from, how I'm, how I'm continuing to, to grow in this, and um, also to give you an idea of where in the world did you come up with um, entry-level discipleship milestones and skills. Um, how many of you recognize that salvation is probably a, a great discipleship milestone? Okay. I mean, some of this is really, really basic. So, sorry if you're hoping to, you know, I, I think spirit baptism is a, is a basic discipleship milestone. I, I think, um, uh, you know, being able to, to talk to somebody is a, probably a good discipleship milestone. What does, that, what does that look like? So, as I've looked at that, I tried to come up with, okay, if I'm trying to help a person be effective in in the transformation process of, of the Great Commandment and the Great Commission, both personally and then them being able to cooperate um, in that process to help others be transformed, how do, how do I help them? Um, so I, I, looked, I looked at, first of all, their relationship with Christ. What are some things that need um, to be addressed with them learning to love God with all their heart, all their soul, all their mind, and all their strength. Um, what would it look like on an entry level for someone to love their neighbor as themselves? What skills do they need? What does that, how does that translate into my context? What am I hoping they'll be able to do? What's my expectation? What's the Holy Spirit's expectation? What would it look like um, for them to begin to grow as a disciple of the Lord with the Great Commission, is that they would um, be taught to obey everything Christ commanded and then reach a level that they could teach others. What would it look like? Um, what kind of skills would they need? What, dis- what milestones would be set for, for outreach and evangelism to reach people? I think maybe, wouldn't it be cool if we had a discipleship milestone of, I won my first person to Christ? And what if we set these milestones... And, and Sunday school and Wednesday nights actually aimed at helping people reach those milestones. So, uh, yes? I didn't have anything earlier, but as you're speaking, one of the, the questions, I'm a youth pastor, and one of the questions I have uh, or, or that I haven't been able to answer is who to disciple. And, and what I'm referring to, I mean, everybody uh, needs to be discipled. Everybody needs to be, we're all called to be disciples and disciple. But not everybody wants it. You have people, you have people within your church that you know they may say they want it, but when you, you know, when you put it out there, so my I feel like that my job is I want to to love and teach everyone, but who do you spend the time with to you know you know what I mean to, to grow as a disciple to disciple others. Okay, so who do I who do I disciple and I'm here I'm greeting into this is how do I inspire people to be willing? All right, I'm just going to abbreviate that there. Great. Thank you. Thank you. And we'll we'll cover we'll cover both of those in 
in just a minute. But thanks, Vinny, because that really is if, you know, how do we do this? What's that going to look like? Um, well, I, I, I'll try not to talk too much. I, I, I talk a lot. But my, um, uh, you know, my youth group, we, we started uh, two years ago, I think it was, and we had like four kids. We sh- we're from a small town. We shot 22 kids almost overnight, and now we're dropping back down, it seems. And uh, as long as we feed them pizza, they're coming. You know. I'm coming too, man. I am, dude. I just, I'm, I'm there. So why did you stop feeding them? Pe- no, I'm just. <laughs> I just, Lord is dealing with me. We need to, you know. I always teach, of course, but uh, I, I want to, you know. Jesus taught certain ones. You can't, you can't uh, teach everybody. You know, the only you can only use the wrong. Okay, great question. Who is ready? We'll add that there. How's that? Great. So, um, you know, I think, I, I think we're looking, first of all, at, at what, what does Jesus want from us? Um, and and to get, to get a, a good idea, because if we know what we're aiming at, then we can start dealing with where we're at. So if we if you know where you're where you're aiming, um, and and I and I think if you look at some of these, I have divided this up, and, and some of this is my my church life background um, with with um, the mission of Christ, and and I, I think I think everybody, even a new disciple, needs to have some basic leadership skills, and uh, a couple of you guys that just walked in, I'm gonna make sure you got these. Um, one way, one way that I, I begin to foster um, some some self leadership is that I encourage people um, first in is to put themselves in accountable relationships for for relationships' sake, certainly, but also for growth. Um, so one of the things I will do when I find a willing person, um, which I, I think in a few minutes you're going to see that it's, 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 sometimes it's how we approach people to get them to be willing. Uh, but what, one thing I will do is I'll sit down with them and say, okay, um, I, I see, and it may be somebody in church that, let me use this example, somebody that's been in church for a while, and they're just kind of plateaued or stuck or and, and I'll, I'll come alongside and say, man, I see you, I see you really have a passion um, for, for the building. Every time we have a work day, you know, you're volunteering, and there, there's a passion for the building. Um, I, I, need, I need some help with the building. God's called us to, um, to make this a place where God's people can gather, and it can be a welcoming place for the people in the community. And, and here's some ideas I have. Would you... Would you consider helping me with that? And before you say yes or no, um, I also want to invest in you. I would love to um, uh, mentor you, to help you grow personally. Um, so if you're, if, if you're interested in helping, how can I help you? What's, what's an area in your life that I could help you be effective in? What do you think God wants 
to do in your life in the next three months? What would be a spiritual goal? What would be a family goal? What would be um, maybe even you know a financial goal? Something that we wouldn't consider real spiritual. What 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 would you? How would you like to grow in the next three months? Usually, people can can name something. And if I'm following the leading of the Holy Spirit, they'll say, hey, you know, um, I'm really struggling relating with my 13-year-old son. And, would, you know, Pastor, I'd love to be able to talk with you about that. I said, great. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. I'm, I'm going to, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll connect together. We'll have some conversations about this. We'll pray about this. I've got some insight I can give you. But who do you know who has some teenage kids in the church? Or maybe just some friends. And this is what I'm going to do. As we, as we roll this out, I want you to take a, a moment to share a little bit about what you're doing. If you're not comfortable with all the details, but just let some of your, your friends and your peers that can hold you accountable in this process, let them know what you're doing with me. Be, and this is what I want you to ask them to do, is just to check in with you, and you're going to check in with them to see how we're doing. Are we just having meetings, or are we... You know, are we accomplishing something? Um, And then agree that if there's somebody else in the church or somebody else that you run into at work or someone you run into the community that you you learn something from this, you'll just be willing to share what you learned. Or you'll be able to share what an abysmal failure you were. (laughs) You know, at least share a little bit, give perspective. Because a lot of times people think they have to be an expert to be a mentor or a leader. And I'm just saying, you know, just tell people what you know. Just teach them the little bit you know. And so this becomes a very informal, organic type of relationship building um, for for the sake of growth strategy um, to help really change the culture in a lot of our churches that are not a culture of growth and discipleship. Uh, we're, we're, sometimes we're a culture of sustaining or, or, or something else, but it's not necessarily growth and, and discipleship. So um, the, the network is one of the first things I do with all of my leaders. Where do I start? I start with someone that likes me. I start with somebody I can influence. I start with somebody that I can get a win. Okay. And so I'm looking for, you know, my wife, you know, please, Lisa, no one else will do this. Would you help me? You know, I start someplace where, <laughs> where I can get buy-in and, 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 and then from that, it begins to just naturally, um, naturally grow. So th- when I say that first leadership milestone for me is, is if you, you're looking at the entry-level discipleship milestones on the, this page, you're going to see join a network, set a three-month goal, and reach it, and share your success story with an up-and-coming. Okay, very simple. Just basic interaction for for leadership. Um, I give some skills there. Follow a leader, submit to serve a leader or a mentor for three months, and lead yourself. How would they lead themselves? Commit to lead yourself to do daily devotions and ask a peer to hold you accountable. So again, I'm trying to structure a little bit and make it as organic as possible to get people moving forward. Um, I don't want to take the time to read all of these, 
But there are there are thing, there's vision questions here. Um, the, I, I think it's important that people know if you're going to ask them to grow according to the mission of Christ, they need to know the great commandment and the great commission. So, so those vision questions are, is, okay, what would it look like in your personal situation for you to connect in a deeper way to Christ? What would it look like for you to grow in your relationships? What would it look like for you um, to grow as a believer or help someone else grow? What would it look like for you to win someone to Christ? Okay? So it, it's, it's, it's basic. Um, Spiritual life talks about encountering God. Um, we, we in, in our setting, and you may not have this in your setting, but we, we do a Monday night prayer time. And so one of the things I'll do is ask them to participate in one of those services, um, prayer services, because I want them to be in an environment where they can encounter God. It doesn't mean... If, if they're not willing to do that, I'm flexible. Then, then come Sunday morning, um, c- come to this small group. You know, um, but we want we want to give people opportunities to encounter God. There's details beyond details. I don't want to go through all of those at this point because I want to answer your questions and also give you um, some some other uh, perspective. Um, but you can see that you can have a fairly detailed list of discipleship milestones and skills that you want people to reach. So um, let's do this, and then we'll, we'll, we'll talk about how, how to give people opportunities to be discipled. What, what's something you wish your people knew how to do, or a milestone you wish they could reach? Uh, engage their community, whether it be their, their, I do college ministry, so their classmates or, you know, their friends, instead of just engage them in just normal, everyday life, build relationship with them. Good, good. Um, you know, when, when you're Joe Wesser and you're trying to reach a campus, it's critical that you have some people who can um, to talk to their friends, invite them. Uh, all, those are, all those are critical what what would you say are some skills that somebody needs to have to do that? Yeah. You just start encouraging them to get in their Bibles and get their get their tools they have, get the Bible and start knowing their scriptures and start a prayer life. But you're gonna start them on the path of living a holy life and get them out of this world's life and back into God's life. Good. Good. What what are some other skills? What are some other things they would need to do? Good. Yeah. Authenticity. Yeah. And be authentic in their relationship about grace and being able to explain what grace means when you're building a community and authenticity. Good. Good. How to start a conversation. Yeah. That so many don't know. Yeah. That's good. Without being awkward and weird. (laughs) So, so if this is a if this is an urgency for for your ministry, then I would I would get Taylor. 
Um, because he's awkward. No, he's not. He's not really. But uh, I'm throwing him under the bus. But he's struggling, and you're wanting to be, you know. So, you're, Joe, Taylor, come on. Um, I, I want you to go with me and watch what I do. Okay? We're going to go to the student center, and we're going to hang out and just, just hang out and, and say, now, Taylor, I want, I want you to see these things. First of all, if you ain't praying, this ain't going to work. If you're not in the Word, this isn't going to work. So, um, you know, th- that's, that's something we need to, to set you uh, on, a, on a pathway. And you might say, okay, well, I've asked Taylor three times to pray and read, and he won't do it. What, what do you do? Do I give up? No, I ask the question, why won't he do it? Because you might find something out. Taylor may not be that unspiritual, as unspiritual as you think he is. There may be something else going on that you can probably, you, you might be able to solve. So you, you're constantly problem solving when you find this, that they can't do something. You know, it may not be the Bible. They, he may be in the Bible all the time, but it may be that um, he's not authentic, that he's, he can't just be, you know, a people person. He's struggling. Why is that? Um, so, you know, I think in the context of having a mentor like Joe to show him how to do that and recognize, okay, this is what I want you to do. And, and how is Taylor in his personality and his style going to be able to do this? And if he's an extraordinary, strong introvert and fearful, um, this may not be where he needs to go right now. Maybe he needs to do something else, Joe. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Questions. Uh, it's more of a comment. I was thinking about a lot of times people will read the Bible, but they haven't had any kind of safe place to just kind of work through and articulate like what they believe in their own words. So creating a safe environment for someone to talk about what they're getting out of what they're reading and what they're when they're praying so that they can talk about it with other believers, but then going then going out, like you were saying, because I think a lot of times people struggle to put into words their own words and make it their own and so creating a safe space for them to do that is huge good good I like good you brought up cost if you're you know, teaching someone to disciple um, teaching people to engage I'm assuming you're talking about engaging non-Christians uh, because um, um, there's a you know course there's a difference between discipling within the church and then Evangelizing or trying to disciple outside of the church, um, but you know, I'm, I I am a very outgoing person. I, I can I have no no strangers. Not everybody's like that. So the engagement part, I mean, it's very awkward for my daughter and my, or my wife. This is not my daughter, but it's my wife. Um, and, but uh, to, they have they have real issues with engaging. So it is super important, if, especially when you're on the outside engaging um, in an effective manner that's not going to push people away. Because when you when you start engaging people, hey man, you're going to hell if you don't read the Bible and you Jesus, you're going to push them away because unfortunately the Word of God is nonsense to the non-believer. Man, it was hard for me to swallow the first time I heard that because I hold that thing so precious to me. But uh, So the, the trick is to live a godly life the best you can, so when they look at you, they see real. 
I work in a very vile environment. With, I don't with the state of Ohio. I work with these construction guys, and they're just looking for somebody to be real, just not fake. Church people are, have a tendency to be fake. That's all I say about that. <laughs> we just got to be real and be able to engage. Yeah, we need to And I think, and I'm holding this up while we're talking for a reason, is, is the biblical model of discipleship is that you have spiritual moms and dads. You have, you have somebody that's speaking into your life. And um, a lot of times we do life. We, we do a Henry Ford American um, version of discipleship. We do Christianity 101, 102, 103, 104, Christianity 201, 203, 204. Two, and, and the person that comes in, you've got to go through 101 to get to 201. And, but, but what I'm trying to help you with is, is on-ramps into discipleship. And we'll talk more about this in my other session. But uh, since you brought it up, on-ramps into discipleship needs to be personalized. So when I'm looking through this... This is this is not linear in my head. It may be linear, but this is this is a way for me to begin to sit down and have like a cheat sheet and say, uh, okay, uh, Vinny, where, where does Vinny need to start? And I may say, well, Vinny needs to start, but Vinny don't want to start there. <laughs> that is not where Vinny's at. So in order to get get him hooked in, well, well, Vinny, what, what is what is it that God you want God to help you do? So start where they're at. Rather than saying, oh my goodness, you know, before we can even talk about that, you need to go bump, bump, bump. You know what they're going to do? They're going to go. <laughs> a lot of times we're thinking, oh, this happens in the classroom. You've got this meeting and that meeting. You come to this meeting. We're going to disciple people from these meetings. You've got 22 kids coming, but that 22 kids are there. And you, I think you kind of have to get to the point where you, I'm going to personalize this with one or two or three of those kids and spend extra time outside of. This meeting done. Amen. That's amen. Pick out those that are willing and wanting for that extra discipleship. Yeah. Okay, say this to an extent. One key is develop a friendship. And if you're developing that friendship, the Holy Spirit's going to lead you. During your conversation, you're going to see where that person is. And if you let the Holy Spirit lead you, you'll know what, where to go with that person. Like it says, each, each individual is going to be different. <clears throat> so the key really is to develop that friendship first, to know the person so you know where they're at, and um, to let the Holy Spirit lead you. But you have to be within, you have to know where your partnership with God has to be the key too, before you can lead them. Good. Yeah, what Good. I hear her say is we really need to listen. Yeah. Yeah. We need to listen to what the other people tell them. Because they try to do their own flesh. Because they yeah, the will fail if they try to do their own flesh. And, and that, to me, is, is a very to get them to really listen in a way that they can understand a person's heart. And I find out that 
Um, you know, Taylor's on his phone. I'm, Taylor's going to kill me after this is all over with. But ta- Taylor's on his phone, and, and Vinny, Vinny's looking right at me, but he's rehearsing the next questions he's going to ask. He ain't listening to me. So, so there's, they, they're not even paying attention in the, in, the, in the mentoring time or the discipleship time. They're really not going to pay attention out and about. And sometimes people have to be coached a little bit and say, stop, come on, look, look, at, look in my eyes. Focus in. This is, what, this is what you need to do. And so you can't do that outside of a relationship. You can't do that in this setting. There's no way I can disciple all of you sitting in this room. But I could gather you together in groups like these, make sure you have peers, hold you accountable, and work on one thing at a time, and you're going to grow. And if I develop a culture like that, and you know how to do it, and it becomes easy so you don't have to have a classroom and a chalkboard to do it, but you can do it any place you're at, then I have just released the church to be a disciple-making group of people. Some, some, does somebody else have a question, comment? I actually do. I was just thinking, even with it, like everything what you guys are all saying, I kind of hear a maturity needs to take place. I hear that like listening and really letting the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you and it not be your flesh. And and it's like as we keep doing that, it's like almost that like you're playing basketball. You're not going to get better and pick up a ball and be Michael Jordan. I mean, it's practice. And I'm like, it's just, sadly, we're going to fail, but that's what God is there, and that's what grace is there for, and then we can take that and become the disciples that, you know what I mean, that we're called to be, and be more effective the next time, and like, but that seed is planted, and maybe along that way that seed is planted, there's somebody else coming their way, and I just, that's kind of sorry. <laughs> no, it's, it's good. Yeah, Beverly? I, I was kind of thinking in, in, in the same terms that when we decide to um, to go into this arena where, where we're going to be willing to reach out and, and to um, encourage or to mentor or whatever, we're really picking up a cross because there are going to be times when it's not going to be pretty and there are going to be times when it's not going to be convenient. We're going to get phone calls in the middle of the night or um, or kids are going to come in on your lunch hour and they're going to... You know, you're going to be hungry, but you got to, you know, do this. And it's it's a lot of times a decision just to be willing to receive inconvenience. And, um, you know, things things that are heavy burdens. But to um, to receive that also with a mantle of love so that you're not saying, all right, well, I had other things to do, but I guess I'm going to talk to you now. You know, the attitude, just it, it's, it's so important. Um, and even though we, we may be thinking one thing <laughs> and I don't mean for that to sound hypocritical I really don't but I guess that we just we just need to realize that sometimes it's not going to be an easy thing yeah solving problems which is what I mean that's what discipleship is it's helping solve problems for people and so there's going to be obstacles if there weren't any obstacles in the way they'd already be like Jesus so to walk into that thinking it's easy is setting yourself up. But again, probably the most rewarding thing that you'll yeah. ever participate in. It is rewarding. We'll jump back in here in just a second. Can I, can I say that it's critical that we're spending a lot of time in the church right now doing a lot of things. And, and I want to bring your attention to the railroad. Most of what we consider discipleship is 
information overload. Okay? So I'm going to teach you how to drive a nail in a block of wood, and I'm going to give you the history of all the major types of trees. Prehistoric, you know, first, and we're going to walk, and then we're going to talk about um, the discovery of metallurgy and the first nail. And we're going to go, we're going to walk through all that. But sometimes when we're presenting things, you know, we're going to, we're going to teach you how to evangelize. We're going to teach you how to be a witness. And we roll out this 47-week course. Okay? And I'm, I'm going, okay, to teach anybody to do anything, you know, if, if, if you need some information, but you don't need a skyscraper of information if the information is a rail on a railroad track because it needs to be balanced out by practical experience. And so give them enough information so they can take the information and do what they need to do. And here's my pet peeve, and this is one of the reasons why we don't see people discipled, is we do not value measurable growth. Because if we valued it like we value church offerings, we measure church offerings, we give meticulous reports about how much money came in, but we really don't measure growth in, in a person. We don't have any, you know, what I'd like to be able to do is say, hey, you walk with us for six months, this is what you'll be able to do. So do you have any measurements? I mean, just practical ways of saying what you think a real growth is. Yeah, I, I, think, I think this would be entry level. This sheet here would be entry level. You have on your schedule um, uh, level one. Um, I'm developing level two and three. Um, but I, I hesitate to give you, I want to give you this so that it's, it's helping you go forward. Um, so you've got some kind of a framework is the way my cobwebbed mind works. And I don't know if you want to get inside of that. But... Um, <laughs> exactly. But what, I, but what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to problem solve in with that person. You'll have to, Bill, you'll have to figure out, okay, um, I'm meeting with Mark, and, and um, Mark, is, Mark is struggling hearing from God. And when he reads the word, he's, he's putting time in, but he's not hearing anything from God. Uh, you know, you you would be um, the, Mark. If if Mark is the object of the disciple, he would be the disciple there. So he's the blue one, the blue dot, or the purple dot. He would be the blue one. Okay. He's the me. He's Mark would be the me. Now I, I say that because Mark's going to be all of these. Yeah. At some point. Right. So are we? Right. But like in this particular scenario, Mark is the blue one. You are the yellow one. Correct. Okay. Correct. So I'm helping, Bill, you're helping Mark. Great question. You're helping Mark um, discover that he really can hear from God because the scripture says, the sheep hear my voice. voice. Now, Now, what does that look like for Mark? So, you know, there may be an obstacle in the way. One one thing, I, I will hit on this, one thing I have found is that people believe wrong things about hearing from God. And so what, what, what I will assure them is that 
God is always speaking, and it's not weird to hear his voice. In fact, as a presbyter in the Ohio Ministry Network, if you're a leader in the church and you tell me I can't hear from God, I don't want you teaching or preaching, to be honest with you. I mean, Jesus said, I only said, say what I hear the Father say. And if Jesus was on that short of a leash, maybe I should be. So if, if, we, if we can't, as a basic discipleship skill, teach people how they're going to hear from God in a way that is this walking relationship that we're at the student center and God's dropped, dropped it now on Taylor's heart. Hey, that person's struggling with something. He says, Joe, this is weird. I, I just get this impression, this guy, well, go tell him. Go tell him what God's saying. And, and spirit-led evangelism is what the gifts are for. <laughs> so that we, have an, we, we know what Jesus knows. It's, it gives us a great advantage. So even in that scenario, in a relationship setting, now I'm not only helping Mark and Taylor hear from God, but I'm asking, I'm modeling, and I'm showing, and I'm helping them um, learn how to, to take what God's saying and use it as, a, as an evangelistic weapon. Because I think that's what it should be. I like how she kind of got me rethinking this thing. I'm thinking me, me, we're only thinking me, me, me. I'm the center of attention. <laughs> this form is not me. This form is us being a mentor and finding somebody else, help them develop this around in their circle here. Who's their mentor? Who's their peers? Who, who's up and coming for them to help, for them to be reach out to and using this as a Well, it could be you. Them. You're going to be in every right. of that. Yeah. It could be you in the, in the middle of the blue. I love this because it's not all your responsibility. There's a responsibility on your mentoree, and then they are to go to peers. Like it's a beautiful thing because it seems overwhelming to say I'm going to disciple people, and I have five people I'm discipling. You know what I mean? Like it just takes the pressure off. They have to be active in the process, and they have to be talking with peers. They have to be thinking of who they're going to be mentoring, and so it involves more than just you. You aren't Jesus to them. You know what I mean? It's, you're there for them. You're there to answer their questions, but it's not all about you having to make this happen. They are active, and they are in the process. And like, I, I just think that's really good. You just made, um, I think you just remarked that me, or it's Mark, who actually is already a believer, but for whatever reason, he's, he's just in a standstill. But also, we're supposed to be disciple non-believers. So you couldn't have two different approaches here. You have someone who already knows the word, but for some reason, his eyes have just been shut up for a while. Maybe he's angry at God, and he, that, that's why his heart is closed to him, because he's angry. So you got to help find that problem, help overcome it, so he can, so the word can be, you know, God can be revealed to him in the way he wants to be revealed to him. But that approach is still going to be different if someone doesn't even know God. So you have two different approaches here. Yeah, yeah, and I haven't, I haven't thought, I haven't thought this out as far as an evangelism um, tool. I've, I've used it more as networking people together to make sure people don't leave the church. They've got friends and relationships, mm-hmm. and um, that that it's a growth, a growth relationship. Um, I can see what you're saying, um, and certainly you're right. It would be, it would be, it would be. It would be different. Okay. But you kind of think about if we can't. I kind of looked at like the speaker 
No, so listen, listen. Social and emotional skills are critical, and we've got, and you, and you, you can't expect people to do these things if we don't empower them and help them. So, Brad, I got a question, or maybe it's a leading question. Are we all supposed to be discipled and mentored all the way till you die? And what I hear here is, and don't take this as he has a problem. Well, we all have problems, and somebody should speak into my life for the problems I have. And is that how I am hearing this? Yeah, yeah. Joe, well, you, you, Joe's wanting yeah. to jump off and help you. <laughs> Maybe it's the missionary in me, but, you know, the Great Commission, we always look at the Great Commission, we look at the word go. Okay, what are we supposed to go and do? We're supposed to go make disciples. Yeah. So in Chi Alpha, you know, we're all about making disciples who make disciples. I spent 20 years as a youth pastor doing programs, and even still I have to be careful not to be so program-driven and pushing check marks because I'm a very task-driven person and forget about relationships with people and realize that what's the main important thing? It's to disciple. Because as I disciple my students, they'll disciple other students. And then, like Brent said, for him to disciple everyone in this room is very difficult. He couldn't do it. Yeah. But he disciples five people who then disciple five more people, and then this week it gets master. So go make disciples. I think what you were saying is um, that yes, yes, we're supposed to disciple people, but you could get out a separate sheet for yourself because even though I'm helping people and discipling people, I have mentors that are helping me and discipling me. And I have, you know, so I have my peers that I work with, and we collaborate and we do things together and uplift each other and pray together. Then I have my mentors that I discuss things with and my personal challenges with too. So I'm always growing and being discipled, but also discipling other people. And and peers and mentors change as you grow. If, If I want to learn to play the guitar, I want to go talk to Taylor. Okay? I, I, I don't want to talk to someone who's never played the guitar before. So, so if, if I want, if, and, and here's, here's where I'm going with that. If I want to win someone to the Lord, I don't need to go be coached by an armchair quarterback who's never won anybody to the Lord. I need an expert. I need someone that does it because I'm going to learn how to win people to the Lord by hanging out with them and watching them. Why, why, why is everybody a teacher in, in the Assemblies of God? Why is that such an easy thing? It seems like everybody's got a teaching gift. Because it's modeled constantly. And so, but if evangelism was modeled like teaching was, if we balanced it out, we'd have a lot more evangelists. Yeah, yeah, we'll take, I'm just watching the time, I want to answer the questions, so we'll take a couple more here, and then we'll hit these two questions. I think it's really important to remember that discipleship is a walk. It's a journey. It's not It's not salvation. Because I think a lot of times we get caught up on like the numbers. Or, you know, I've reached this person, that person came to Christ. Well, great, what do they do with it? 
You know, that's, that's where discipleship comes in, is that we come alongside that person who is a new Christian or whatever the case may be and walk the road with them. I think that's really what we're going for. Because then they can extend that to someone else, and then they can extend that to two more people. You know, that's that's the idea. Yeah, something that we always say um, at our church is that everybody needs a Paul, everybody needs a Barnabas, and everybody needs a Timothy. And I think part of Perfect. the reason that we don't have that is because we don't teach people to be intentional about that, to actually go after that in their, you know, in their own life, too. And I think just teaching people to be intentional is a really huge thing in discipleship. I, I think if you, if you personally begin to change the way you think, in everything you do in church right now, anything you do in your job, because I'm telling you, if you if you learn how to do this, you're going to get a raise at your job. If you can help people succeed, people are going to pay you more money to do that. Because what, what, why do people get a paycheck anyways? They get paid to pro- problem solve. Think about that. We don't have anybody to take money at Kroger. So you answer that problem for us. And, and so, so the better you are at problem solving and the better you are at helping people um, overcome things, it's, when, when I invite someone to come along and be a disciple or to, into a mentoring relationship, I, I'm, I'm in prayer and I'm asking God, okay, God, highlight somebody that you're, you're speaking to. And I'm asking the Lord to show me. And so, so I've got maybe somebody, since we're talking about evangelism, is I see someone who, who they don't meet a stranger. They're just great with people. I, I, walk, I walk up to them and say, you know what? I, I've been praying for you. I'm not lying. I'm praying for you. And I just really strongly see that, man, you've got a, you've got a gift. You, you attract and gather people around you. And I think God has something powerful in, in store with that gift. Um, I, I'd love to talk with you and see if we, you know, what would that look like? If, if Could you use that gift for your friends to bring people to Christ? And so I'm trying to find what I see the Holy Spirit highlighting and what is an urgency and a passion in their lives and intersect them and say, okay, let's walk together. And I may not be an expert, but I know someone who is, his name is Jesus, and the Ohio Ministry Network has a lot of people who are smarter than I am, so there's a lot of people that I, we can immediately connect them with. So I'm going into this thing going, yeah, if you want to be a disciple, come on, we'll fit you in. You know, I'm not worried about whether I... So, so I, I approach that. How do I get buy-in? I approach it most of the time, Vinny. Um, if, if you say, hey, I want to take you to... To McDonald's, I want to take you to coffee. I want to take. I'll take you for a for a steak. I want to invest in you. Let's let's talk about what I see God doing in your life. That gives they feel significant. There's buy-in, and I usually don't have too many no's. I don't. So so that's how that's how I get them into. Who who do I disciple? I'm looking for people who are ready. This may be audacious to you, but I'm literally, I literally ask God when I walk into a room, show me who's red, who's not ready, show me who's yellow, who could be, and show me who's green. If you think about when Jesus recruited at the Sea of Galilee, the disciples, 
I just wonder if they're you know, red, yellow, there's green. Because all he said was, come follow me. And they did. And so I'm going, I'm missing something, man. I'm going like, uh, you know, we'll give you donuts and free health care. And if you'll, you know, if you, if, if, if you would just consider being a leader. And, and I'm going, you know, what am I doing? You know, um, so, so um, that, that I think, does that answer those questions? I tried to do that in one swoop. Okay. So I know there's other hands up. That, whole time, as you've been talking, I just keep hearing the phrase prophetic potential. And most of the people that have invested in me saw something in me that I didn't see and didn't, I didn't think I was around. And as I've grown in ministry, like, I've learned to look for people that have something, just like you're talking about, but they don't think they're ready. And I, I think what the Lord keeps showing me is if you just, if you just talk to them and point out this thing, and you ask them, you invite them into the process. Like, my prayer became, Lord, show me someone's prophetic potential. Like, you were saying, the red light, you know? Like, it help, me, help me know the right words to say to them so that they suddenly it awakens in their heart because a lot of times they already don't know. So that, that's all. So, as, yeah. Joshua. You made a really uh, interesting comment earlier uh, that I wrote down. It says most of what we consider discipleship is information overload. And for me, it seems like people that are hungry for discipleship, it's not necessarily even the what, it's the how. Mm-hmm. You know, they're asking the questions, well, how can I how can I stay free from drugs and alcohol for 90 days? Or, yeah. or how can I, as a young person, you know, stay clean from pornography that's, you know, flooding our culture? Or how, you know, how can I be a good father, a good husband, and so people are coming with these type of questions, not necessarily even what, but how, and um, and as disciplers, you know, those are some of the tough things, because many of us, maybe we don't know how, or that's why we're even here today, right here, we're here because we're wanting to know how to be better disciplers. That's right, man. So, yeah. You know, to teach somebody to, to work in the nursery, give them a little bit of information, show them how to do it, Connect them with a mentor that can make sure that there's interaction. Man, I th- this was a disaster. I had like three kids at the same time, and we didn't know where the diapers were. And then a mom came in, and what you know, they need somebody to talk to. So this works on every level. Um, if, if they're if they're going to be changing our kids, we want them praying over the kids. So we want them, you know, we we want a, a, a spiritual foundation. We want you to be praying. We want you to be praying over the children. Here's what you need to know. Here's what you need to do. And, and let, you know, put somebody in there with them initially um, and then continue to have interaction so they can reflect with a mentor to say, hey, this is what, what, what's working, what's not. I think an important thing to remember, is, especially as we're leaving here and wrapping this class up, is that, you know, we're all juiced up on this discipleship thing now and we're going to try to go out and do it. And it can be challenging. You know, we, we're all talking in here, you know, we all, we all attend churches, we, we, you know, we have a model here to do it, and we're all amped, you know, this is, I'm, I'm going to go out and disciple these people, Satan's going to throw a roadblock to your way, and uh, some people, if you try to disciple, it may come slower than you anticipate, and you may get really frustrated, I believe that's the enemy doing that to you, and just, I just wanted to share, I think God's kind of speaking to me, for us to all be aware that that's, 
it's not easy to do. This is a challenging thing to do, but God gives us a lot of instruction through His Son, Jesus, who did it Himself, and I think that if we keep that in mind as we're trying to disciple, the process for us as being disciples will be much easier, and I think will be much more effective if we recognize that there's going to be roadblocks in the way. We're going to get frustrated. That person's not... Hey, it took me 27 years as a Christian to become who I am now. That person not on my level when we've been three months through this. It's going to happen. So I think just to keep that in mind. And, and let, me, let me wrap it up with this because, Taylor, that's a great segue. You, you need to be able to determine the reality of what's going on and be optimistic at the same time. You also need to be a, a, a very adept problem solver. If you, if you identify reality only to tell everybody why it can't be done, you need to repent. You have solutions. So you need, you need, to, you need to identify why that person isn't able to do whatever you're asking them to do. You need to be able to be flexible and adaptable. And you need to be a, a solution-oriented person to say, okay, if there's no, you know, the Holy Spirit can tell you Literally, I mean, you can walk into, into your workplace tomorrow and say, Lord, I need a solution here. And he'll give it to you. And so the reason we don't find solutions is because we get discouraged and we give up. Or we're told the lie that it's... So it's a balance. It is difficult. It won't be easy. If it was easy, they'd do it. If it was easy, they'd already be off drugs. They've tried 15 times, so it's not easy, but we've got to find solutions. So, so God bless you. I hope this was helpful to you. Um, have a great afternoon.